there a doctor in the house? Doctor, doctor, give me the news. I got a bad case of loving you. Doctor. 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 And doctor. It's time for Advanced Medicine Monday with Dr. Rashid Batar. I'm a doctor, not a bricklayer. I'm a doctor, not a mechanic. I'm a doctor, not a coal miner. The doctor is in. No time like the present to do some advanced medicine here on the Robert Yad Bell Show and doing that with me each and every week, Dr. Rashid Bittar. How are you, my friend? I'm doing well, Robert. How are you? Doing doing well. Uh, you know, everybody knows I'm kind of on an uh, extended road trip. I, I think it's like National Lampoon's uh, American Vacation uh, with the wife and kids and the cat, and uh, we're having a good time. So far, so good. Yeah, as long as you don't strap a family member to the top of your vehicle, you'll be fine, right? Right, yeah. Grandma was on the show yesterday, and, she, and I asked her, but she says, no, thank you. I don't want to be strapped to the, to the top of the minivan. So, no, that didn't happen. <laughs> That's good. That's so, good. but uh, we got you know updates to do. We got great stories to cover today, uh, and and an update because we keep every every week we have people on there. Hey, when does the uh, the the mango study start? Has it already started? Am I too late? Can I get in? And of course, we want everybody to be part of the IADFW. And there's an invitation code in the notes each week at robertscottbell.com. It's one three five eight thirteen fifty eight. If you can't remember that, just go to the notes, and you can get to be a part of this mango band study. But the question is, how many people People are left to be able to fill in the gap that's left. Well, we, we've got spots still uh, available. You know, it's, everything's already starting right now. It's uh, the, the bands have been um, shipped or they're being shipped actually uh, as we speak. I know some of them are shipped out uh, on Friday, and so people can still participate if they want to. But it is uh, pretty exciting because just the preliminary results have been quite quite impressive. Uh, the thing is that if anybody wants to get some more information regarding the details, if they are part of the IADFW, all you have to do is just go in, go in and log into your advanced medicine um, dashboard and then watch the videos there. The vi- there's a video, about a 10-minute long video, that kind of explains all the details. Um, so that would be that would be an easy thing to do. If you haven't joined the IADFW, then go to advanced medicine, create your new free registered account, and then just join the IADFW. There's a charge for the IADFW if you have the 1358 invitation code uh, for the Robert Scott Bell listeners, then you will get a massive discount there. It's like $1 for a lifetime instead of $99 for uh, uh, annual membership. And then you can go and watch the video, get all the details, and then um, take it from there. It's it's really a pretty simple in, – it's a pretty simple video that kind of explains all the details. But the reason we have to do it through the IADFW, the IADFW is because, very simply, we need to make sure that only the people that have uh, understood and agreed to the the association aspects, uh, those are the only people that can actually get more information. Because there's, Rob, this freedom of information, freedom of religion that you talked about. Yes. The, you know, you, you had a talk with some people today about freedom of religion, you said, but Yes. You know, the, the freedom to express, the freedom for liberty, freedom to carry weapons, freedom to, um, you know, to, to, to practice your religion, freedom of speech, all these different freedoms that we're talking about, they all come down to the fundamental um, um, basis of a choice that a person has to make. And they will always be those that try to oppress those that stand for freedom. They will always be people that want to try to take away your right to free speech, your right to bear arms, your right to, you know, pursue the religious beliefs that you have, whatever the case is. Yes. And there, there's a, 
where, where growth stops, decay sets in type of a thing. So we have to be constantly vigilant. I think there's a quote that says, the eternal price of freedom is constant vigilance, I believe it is. Yep. And this is exactly what we're doing. This is the reason for the IADFW, because we don't want to uh, do something that could be misconstrued and say, oh, you're doing this to take advantage of uh, those people out there that don't know any better and they're too stupid to know that they have their own um, ability, their own brain to make their own choices. And because we are the government and we're here to make sure that we uh, protect those stupid people that can't make the choices for themselves, we will now dictate what messages you can and cannot receive, what information is disseminated and is not disseminated, et cetera, et cetera. So it's under the pretense of public safety that these agencies get their power and we don't want to be a part of that we want to go into the private sector private association so nobody can now accuse us or uh subversively say that we took advantage of somebody that didn't know any better for us only the people that do know better that want to stand up for freedom that that appreciate their freedom and and value that privilege that they have that they take the necessary steps to exit the public realm go into the private realm agree to these uh, stipulations that we have, and then you have candid information at your disposal, and we will be adding more and more and more and more content and information, but it will be always done in the private sector so that nobody can say that we took advantage of those that didn't know any better. Fully informed consent, folks. Uh, the irony is that if you remain in the public domain, uh, you are acquiescing to overlords, pharmaceutical overlords that limit your uh, ability to know the things that we want to you know, relate to you and that you might want to share with each other, much less access the energies and substances, things that will bring about the healing that you desire as opposed to whatever an oligarchy, we call that a bureaucratic oligarchy, like a bunch of unelected bureaucrats will tell you you can or can't have or know, and they will make basically those decisions for you, and they're likely not going to be for, for your betterment. And so there's a difference to get out of that realm and go into step into more of a freedom, a one where you have freedom of association. And I, I'm so much aligned with this, Dr. Batari. It does fit in with what we're talking about all of the time. Well, Robert, that, that's exactly why we did this. Uh, this is exactly why when you and I talked years ago, we talked about the importance of this. And so this is the only reason I hope people understand that this is to ensure your own freedom and our ability to be able to express ourselves. So that's the only reason you've got to jump through those hoops. It's a very simple hoop. Most people that go through it, they love it. Uh, they, they love it because of the information, the quotes, et cetera, that are in that process as you go through. And so anyway, you get through that process and then you'll be able to watch the video that talks about the mango band study. And um, it's important to everybody to understand there is no cost to you to involve, be involved in the study. The only thing is there is a time commitment. There's a 45-minute time commitment every week for about four to six weeks. And that's basically just fill out the head map because the head map is how we're going to evaluate efficacy of the bands. It's basically how we're going to evaluate whether or not there's a difference that you're, you're experiencing. And, Robert, you were on the show. You and I were doing a show when, we, when, when somebody was talking. In fact, I think it was a live question that came in that somebody was on the, on the mango band study, which yes. we kind of – started too fast and we had to stop it because we didn't have enough people that were enrolled at the, at the first section. Right. And, uh, I think there were people were saying that, that they couldn't believe the difference in less than a week. They, right? Yes. In a few days, they were already reporting quite extraordinary changes. So it's a very exciting thing to take part in. So folks, uh, uh, take the time to look into this. Go to uh, basically uh, advancedmedicine.com, but you'll see the invitation code to get, get you into the IADFW for a dollar for life. Anyway, uh, 
Listen, very exciting what's happening here, and this is really honoring the principles with which we've, you know, we've brought these healing things to you for you to test and prove to yourselves, and we want to get the information and help others to be empowered equally or if, if not more so. So uh, very exciting, Dr. Pitar, really great. I'm, I'm very appreciative, Robert, that uh, you helped me get the word out on this, and uh, hopefully more and more people will um, experience the benefits because one, the study is really more for us to kind of be able to see what people are experiencing. We already know people are experiencing a lot of different things, but we want to see what are reproducible things. If something, if one particular thing people are experiencing 10% of the time, that's great. You know, those people will appreciate it, but it's not something we're going to talk about. But if there's something that a person's experiencing 90% of the time, then that is something that if a person has, say, I'm just throwing this out, a person has a problem with sleep, and 90% of people are improving better sleep. And that's something that people need to know about so that they can utilize this non-invasive, simply all you got to do is wear it, you know, mm-hmm. type of thing on your body. There's nothing you got to eat. There's nothing you got to ingest. There's no claims being made. Just just wear the band and see the difference. And if it doesn't work for you, then send it back. You know, that's basically, it's going to be that simple. So I appreciate you getting the word out. As simple as it gets, folks. Uh, what else is simple? Well, I think eating right should be simple. But it, we, we're also messed up with information, misinformation, disinformation on diet. Every time I, I mention to people that they'd be better off eating more fat than they probably are right now, there's still a segment of the population that kind of freaks out because they're fat phobic. Here's a story from our friends at Health Impact News. It says high fat ketogenic diet more effective than psychiatric drugs for schizophrenia and mental health. That's so unbelievable to think that the, the one drug or the class of drugs, the one class of drugs that's used by more people in the United States, that at, the statistics are right now that at some point in their lives, one out of every two Americans will be on some type of a psychiatric medication. Generally speaking, an antidepressant. I think that's what they've talked about. In fact, it might be that one out of two Americans will be prescribed an antidepressant sometime in their life rather than a psychiatric drug. But whatever it is, it's to do with depression uh, or, or some type of a psychiatric disorder, one out of two Americans, that's what the statistics are. And it's, it's possible that just by eating a high-fat ketogenic diet, that there would be a better improvement. That would be, basically mean that that entire class of drugs could essentially be negated. Hooray! Definitely <laughs> reduced. Yeah, I think it would be a thrilling moment to have that happen finally. Uh, There's no um, blood test. We've talked about saliva tests, hair tests. I mean, we would recognize, yeah, mercury would play a role in any and all of these things. But the lack of fat in the diet is also indicated here big time in terms of, you know, energy utilization, metabolism. Of course, we talk about fat being protective of the brain and the nervous system. So many things related to the endocrine system. I just, it's hard for me to find unless people are eating trans fats. And obviously we're not arguing for that. Yeah, of course. These are the healthy fats. And, and Robert, let's not forget too, that things like mercury have a greater propensity as well as the persistent organic pollutants have a greater propensity for fat. And so if there's so much fat in the body and we're not consuming the right fats, um, there's a concentration of these substances. I'm, I'm just talking from a, just a purely theoretic basis now. I'm just, you know, in surgery, I think I told you before that one of the adages we had, the solution to pollution is dilution. So if you can actually expand the amount of fat, you're creating a dilution of these toxins in the body. Theoretically speaking, that that's, you know, you're increasing Well, a a receptacle, if you will, to protect the vital areas, vital organs and systems. And I've argued that for many years. Listen, we've got to take a break. We're going to continue with this discussion. 
On the other side, folks, you're listening to Advanced Medicine with Dr. Rasha Bittar right here on the Robert Scott Bell Show. The Robert Scott Bell Show. In the health world through the power of radio. It's the Robert Scott Bell Show. Dr. Bittar, you brought up something so, so important. And I know you said theoretical, but, you know, clinically, my experience has been uh, the the body's adaptation capacity is, I won't say it's infinite because it's it's got a limit, but in terms of certain body types that can retain excess water and fat to dilute, you said that the, the solution to pollution dilution, uh, it is protective of, of vital functioning areas. I mean, until there's a breakdown in metabolisms and immunity and all these things over over time, perhaps are overburdening the body to the point where it can no longer adapt. But this is, you know, a fascinating discussion. We talked about ketogenic, higher fat, and it's saying, you know, this is better for schizophrenia, mental disorders, depression, etc. And then you, you look at the toxic burden of the body, and if you provide it more fat, I'm not saying people are going to get fat because they do that, but man, if they need it, that's a very good protective mechanism while we would encourage their bodies to detoxify healthfully by supporting the pathways of excretion that are designed to do the job. Absolutely, absolutely. And there's so many other components, not just the detoxification standpoint, which is, you know, that's the basis of my entire philosophy is you detoxify the body effectively and you're going to have a, um, an improvement of the entire system and oxidative stress is no longer going to be the issue because you're negating the source of that oxidative stress by the detoxification process. So that's, we all understand that. Well, at least most of our listeners understand that, Robert, you and I clearly understand that. But in addition to that, the benefits that you get from the high fat diet, you know, just from a regeneration standpoint, for example, Right, I think there's one of the studies that you've got uh, on the list that we're going to cover is about the Alzheimer's component and uh, the Spanish study that showed the uh, improvement in Alzheimer's uh, symptomology after starting a coconut oil. Yeah, uh, within twenty as little as 21 days, they're saying, my gosh, we've got some improvement on Alzheimer's, which is way better than the toxic drugs that are deadly in many cases that do not show improvement, in not in 21 days, but maybe not even 42 or more. Exactly. So we're talking about from a detoxification aspect, we talk about from a regeneration aspect, we talk about from a preventive aspect, we talk about from a protective aspect. There's so many other components that just the just the high fat uh, diet does allow an individual to experience. One of the best components of a high fat diet that we really don't talk about, and again, you know, you talk about false media or, or fake media. Um, the, the aspect that a high fat diet is going to lead to a person becoming fat, but if anything. A high-fat diet actually improves metabolism and reduces fat storage in the body. And that's something that people feel is counterintuitive because how could a high-fat diet reduce the fat in your body? But that's exactly what ends up happening because it's actually the carbohydrates, it's the sugars, that the high insulin response that actually creates the storage aspect. Right, the the the, conversion, yeah. Exactly. It starts to convert the stored sugar into a fat into the body. But if you're having a high fat diet, then the body doesn't have an easily um, accessible source of fuel. So it has to actually break down the fat. And that process in itself is an energy expenditure type of process. So you're burning more fuel in just the body's ability to be able to utilize the fuel. So you're, you're actually in, it's, it's, um, it's basically, 
as opposed to having ready fuel there, you have to now go out there and you have to uh, find the fuels. You have to walk and find the gas station. You have to pump the gas manually. And then you put it in the car. So there's actually expenditure of energy to just burn the fuel. And that's why fat, uh, high fat diet, the right type of fats, not the trans fats, not the bad fats, but the, but the right type of fats is actually helpful and promotes a better metabolism. And Dr. Batar, isn't it true that inter- intermittent fasting helps to train the body, indicate to the body, you need to, to reach into those stored fats and convert them for fuel use. Because in the past, the I don't know if it was intuitive, but the thought was, my gosh, if you don't feed the body all the time, it's going to go into it's going to go into starvation mode. It'll, re- it'll retain energy. It'll retain fat to store because it thinks you're starving. It's like, wait, no, no, it doesn't do that. It uses the energy you have in storage when you are saying, hey, I'm not giving you anymore. Go get some. Yeah, I think the body is a very, very adaptogenic type of um, machine. So it mm-hmm. it adapts to its environment, and, and you know we can see how just our external environments. Some people live in the Sahara Desert, and other people live, you know, in, in the North Pole. So the body's very adaptogenic anyway. Um, I believe that there is um, what you just said with the with the uh, intermittent fasting. I think that's a really beneficial component. In fact, if you look at a lot of the religions, there's a Fasting is talked about in, in I think, in all the monotheistic religions. The benefits are obviously in, in Islam, they, they talk about it with the Ramadan, the 30 days. But in the Bible and the Torah, there's times when yes. people fast and the benefits that are associated with the, with the process of fasting. Um, it's interesting you brought up intermittent fasting because um, at the... Hold on, stand by. Asked, we're, we're up on a hard break here. We got we to gotta go. We'll be right back. But boy, this is getting good. It's already good. The Robert Scott Nelson. in the health world through the power of radio. It's the Robert Scott Bell Show. Sorry about having to cut you off there, Dr. Batar. I mean, I was so into what we were talking about. You know, that happens. <laughs> I forget. Break time. Anyway, we're back talking intermittent, intermittent uh, commercial breaks, intermittent fasting. And, you know, the idea within most religions, that is part of the teachings. Now, for a healthful reason and also for spiritual purification. And as above, so below, we talk about that as within, so without the worlds of duality in which we live. We find these patterns emerge that, and this is my, my experience, Dr. Batar, when I, you know, wanted to heal. And I had to learn about spiritual principles, spiritual discipline, that I would first be able to open my ears enough to hear the messages that were different from the experts of my youth and then apply them, learn and apply. And sometimes we have to be shaken loose from old patterns and old habits. And sometimes ailments, illnesses, suffering can help us to do that. Without a doubt. Without a doubt. And I think that that aspect of the intermittent fasting or fasting in itself, um, that spiritual aspect you're talking about, there's a clarity that comes to an individual when you've been fasting. Um, Robert, we talked about this before. I know that mm-hmm. when we do um, ozone blood irradiation, the autohemotherapy in my clinic, we notice that the color of the blood, it's almost predictable. Uh, for example, cancer patients, when we draw their blood, it's almost like a maroonish, blackish um, color, um, darker blood. You know, Usually most people's blood is pretty dark, but I've noticed that after eating, most people's blood is darker. And the two times that I've noticed where my blood looks like it's been ozonated, like it looks like, and it's, it hasn't been. I may not have even had a ozone ultraviolet blood radiation autohemotherapy session, maybe like in two or three weeks, and I'll go in there. But my blood looks 
perfectly bright, bright, bright red. I mean, so, so perfect red. It's, it's almost like you don't, you don't really appreciate how beautiful the color red is till you see perfectly clean blood. It's just beautiful. And, you know, people think like, he's crazy talking about the color of blood, but when we, when we see blood, it's usually dark. It's, um, you know, when you see somebody bleeding or you see the blood denoted on television, right, blood right. is usually dark. And the thicker, the more toxic a person, the darker it is. Well, the two things that I've seen where blood is absolutely bright, bright, beautiful red is after two specific events that a person will participate in. One, exercise, okay, especially aerobic exercise, whether it's walking, running, sprinting, some type of a sustained aerobic activity. That's one. The other believe it or not, is after fasting. Fasting, yeah. Purification. It's, it's beautiful, not, it, it, right. Yeah. And if you talk about the ability to see that, not everybody can or has. And you know, like when you're going through the purification, uh, what happens in that visual. And if you see it duplicated after exercise and fasting, what does that tell you about the, the benefits of those things? Does anybody have any doubt left at all? Exactly. They, they, you, they won't because once they see it. But let me tell you a little quick story about how I discovered intermittent fasting Obviously, I fasted during Ramadan, and mm-hmm. so I've, I've, I'm no uh, novice to fasting, but this intermittent fasting thing, you know, never really thought about it, never really divulged, indulged myself in it, never tried it, never never really participated in any of the discussions about it, didn't really feel, I figured, you know, to me, it's like, hey, if you're going to fast and fast properly, you know, go for a 24-hour fast, 48-hour fast, whatever, you know, I've even done the, I think, did the Maker's Diet fast, I think uh, my whole staff did it, most of them only lasted about a day. I think one of my nurse practitioners lasted eight days. I went 15 days or 16 days. Um, that was a little bit tough to do. Uh, that's on the, you just drink some um, some uh, cayenne pepper and lemon and molasses, uh, mm-hmm. and that's the only thing you don't eat anything. But, you know, I've done a lot of different types of fasting, so not a, not a novice to it at all. But where I really recognized and discovered the benefits of intermittent fasting was completely by accident. And as you know, it's been uh, it's been a little bit of over a year now since uh, uh, went through my personal separation. My wife and I and our divorce is almost finalized now, and uh, I was here. Um, I was actually by myself for maybe four months, where I was. Again, I'm, I'm not a person that cooks or anything. I don't I, I don't know much about domestic life. I've never really done any of that stuff myself, you know. But I was kind of thrown into a situation where I did have to cook for myself and do a lot of things that, that I normally didn't have to worry about because I was busy doctoring and doing, you know, earning a living for the family. And so now all of a sudden I'm kind of thrown into a dual uh, role. Yes. And so from a convenience standpoint, I, you know, one, I'm not, I'm not a cook, I'm not a chef. I'm, I don't know really how to prepare meals, but I kind of learned and some, some friends and stuff would, you know, prepare foods for me. I'd freeze them, that type of thing. So what I would do is I would, I not tend to forget to eat sometimes <laughs> whenever I'm focused on stuff, you know, I'm, right, I'm doing right. something and I realize I haven't eaten it. So actually I ended up without even realizing it, just going to one meal a day. So I was in an intermittent fast automatically. So you're sleeping throughout the night, you wake up in the morning and, you know, don't think about eating, not hungry, skip breakfast, whatever it is. And uh, again, I get doing whatever I'm doing. And then I would prepare a meal in the evening and didn't even think about it that I was actually intermittent fasting. But I went from 230 pounds, and it wasn't that, I mean, I didn't have like a, you know, I was in decent shape, nothing like I was when I was college or anything like that, but I dropped down to 195. In fact, when, when I came to the Truth About Cancer in October of 2017, when you and I were there together, yes. I was down to 195. Yeah, you were looking and, studly. 
<laughs> and I mean, I, I, my strength was still there, the same strength. You know, I was, I was actually working out a little bit more intensely, but, but not, um, not because I had worked out that I went to that point. It was because of the food, because I wasn't, I wasn't working out. When I'm saying I was working out a little bit more intensely, I was just like, because I had more ability to work out more. It wasn't that I was right. trying to, but I just, uh, but it was one night, and I'm about 207 to 210 right now, but honestly, I felt so good, and I didn't do it trying to lose weight. It was right. just because it was an intermittent fasting, just out of necessity. It just about, you know didn't didn't even think about it. So it works. It works without even having to think about it. It actually works. Yeah, well, it strengthens again breaking the old school viewpoint of it. If you if you fast, you're going to train your body to retain the energy. It's not going to burn. The, you know, it's no. It's just the opposite of that. You're training the body to be efficient with the energy stores it has. You can eat fewer meals, as you've described, even one, and you can benefit from it. So I, listen, I love those real world stories, and you kind of happen upon it. You look. Back and go, my gosh, I did not expect that, but there it is, and I feel great. Now, uh, there's another thing as we were talking Robert, about. One of the things, yeah, go ahead. One of the things I just want to mention there, too, is if you look at how the body has been designed and what we did from a paleolithic standpoint, man didn't have refrigerators that he could go up to and eat every hour, every two hours. You know, we were, we were roamers and gatherers and hunters, so we, we roamed and sought our food and whenever we could find something that was on trees or seeds or whatever, you know, fruits, that's what we would harvest or we would go out there and and hunt. So we went through the feast or famine type of thing all the time. You either feasted or you you, you had famine. And so the body's already, it's already kind of like programmed inherently from the original programming to deal with that uh, feast or famine type of a scenario. So the intermittent fasting is actually part of how we were designed. Yes, that's very true. Again, that's perspective that is often lost in an era where we believe it's always been this way, where you had access to food 24-7, just open the refrigerator door or your pantry. And that is so, so, un- it's the outlier, if you will, of, of the entire history of humanity. And we're just trying now yeah. figuring it out, right? How smart are we? <laughs> we'll get there eventually. So this is why it's depressing sometimes when you think of our fellow humans like, whoa, what have we done? We'll come back to reality. Not only is coconut oil good to reduce uh, Alzheimer's disease symptoms, um, maybe can reduce your reliance on or eliminate them completely on any antidepressant drugs. Now, here's a story from Medical Express. This is not like natural news where we point out fake news, like Mike Adams will write something to point out the mainstream media is being fake. This is one of the medical uh, news sites. And they're saying antidepressant efficacy is the new fake news. Yeah, yeah. You know, it kind of comes back to that high-fat ketogenic diet, more effective than psych drugs. Well, if you think about it, here's, here's, a, here's an interesting study now or a story, because if they're saying that the efficacy of these, these uh, drugs for schizophrenia and mental health is fake news anyway, then it's not going to take much to actually supersede their results, right? That's what some people would say, well, maybe a kind of ketogenic diet isn't really that effective. But the point is that it's so, it's, it's so um, adulterized, this whole concept of the antidepressant efficacy. That there's so much, there's so much, uh, it, it's just, it, just doesn't, it just doesn't work that to the point that you can actually take anything such as um, any, any type of diet and say that's going to work better than the drugs. <laughs> yeah, it, good point. It's, a, it's a, one of those moments of those things you could kind of actually turn around. This antidepressant efficacy and the fake news could actually be used by those people that would argue against our uh, stance of this high-fat ketogenic diet. But 
it really is pretty pathetic is the bottom line. The, the efficacy of, of antidepressants is pretty Well, pathetic. when they you know, don't somebody, even know the real cause of depression, you know, in psych- modern psychiatry, of course, it's all about drugging and me- monkeying with brain chemistry for which they have no baseline. There is, there, you don't have an identified baseline. They don't have, as we said, an analysis test of any kind other than a series of behaviors that could be for any number of reasons in different people. And then they ascribe to you a diagnosis like schizophrenia, depression, etc. So the idea that you could heal this with healing your gut, for instance, bringing fat back into your system that so craves it because of the brain, nervous system, endocrine system needs it. Like you said, it should be a moment of dub, but perhaps this is a surprise for those writing for the British Journal of Psychiatry in their editorial on this. Again, they're acknowledging the efficacy of antidepressants. The claimed efficacy is the new fake news. Yeah, and so here's another component. Think about this, Robert. If somebody is truly depressed, right, how is giving them a drug going to fix it? Yes, I understand how the brain chemistry can be manipulated, and so the person now gets a feeling that they're not as depressed. But honestly, how are you going to fix this? The point being that you got to fix the problem at its source. And taking a drug is not going to take away the source of that depression. If somebody just lost a spouse or they, you know, they had, um, they found out that um, somebody at work stole their work and took credit for it, or um, their child is leaving for college and they're now feeling lonely because, you know, empty nests or whatever the cause of the depression. How is a drug going to change that reality? In fact, this is that subject of the book we're talking about, the conflict, right? The, the, the cure to the conflict and how that leads to cancer. When you start taking these types of things, um, that, that, that there's no difference between taking an antidepressant for depression or going to a bar and drinking your problems away in my book. It's the same thing. Now, does anybody promote alcoholism to go out and constantly drink, 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 every day drink, twice a day drink, just so that you don't have to worry about your problems? Nobody condones that. But you can take a drug that causes more damage to your brain and run away from your problems by taking the drug twice a day? I mean, does that make any sense? Hmm. No, it, it, it doesn't. But in, in some altered reality, which m- many people live in, probably not those that listen to the Robert Scott Bell Show and go on advanced medicine. But uh, we're going to come back and uh, wrap it up. We're going to talk as dads about where we draw the line in terms of uh, natural medicine versus interve- intervention, allopathic medicine, because there's a story in one of the British tabloids about this. And we're going to make some sense out of it after the break. Live around the world, the Robert Scott Bell Show. Robert Scott the Bell Robert Show. Scott Bell Show. All right, Dr. Bittar, we've often talked about the mama bears out there that are waking up, uh, unfortunately, the hard way to protect their children after one of their children are injured from vaccines, for instance. And we want more dads to stand up in defense of their children. But in the mainstream press, when you do that as a parent, you're often chided, derided. They claim that you're being anti-science and irrational. And I don't know the, the the nuances of this particular case, but, man, they are going after this dad in the uh, U.K.'s Daily Mail. They say father bans his children from taking antibiotics and painkillers to maximize their immune systems and refused to let doctors help his baby girl even when they said she might die. Now, this is a sensationalist headline. I don't know how real this situation is. Well, obviously, the child looks pretty healthy in these pictures. So, um, you know, they, they obviously did sensationalize it and 
comes back to the fake news aspect. Um, I think is is a is a father some type of a healthcare provider? Yeah, I'm not. He's a he's a former chiropractor, doctor of chiropractic. So yeah, he's got holistic perspectives, bona fides, as they say, uh, in his background. So for him to, him to say these things, I have no problem with what he's saying, in fact. And, you know, I guess the thing is, if somebody rejects modern medicine for the most part, does that mean they're being irrational? We've talked about, hey, is there a place for modern medicine? Yes, there is. But I have yet to find it pretty much for my kids. They've not had to resort to drugs. That doesn't mean I wouldn't be open if I felt it necessary. But I don't find it an irrational statement to say, you know what, I'd like to avoid the things that are toxic to their immune system. Well, and that's a logical, um, responsible way of looking at it. In fact, what was it, two weeks ago we covered the story with American Academy of Pediatrics came out and said that uh, people, people, a parent should abstain from giving their children certain types of foods that contain certain types of preservatives and yes. other types of toxins. You know, so they talk about it from one end of their mouth, but they don't realize it. So it, it, they don't eat the stuff, but hey, it's okay to inject it in your yes, body. Or, right. You know, so it, it's a, it's a double, it, it's a double standard, and it's uh, it's highly suspect. The agenda is highly suspect. I, I think that this guy's. Um, if he, if you want to call it an extreme, I don't necessarily consider, consider extreme. I'm sure he basically explained it to his kids. Kids are very intelligent. We know that they're more intelligent than we are. They probably saw the truth and they've gone on with it. But th- to say, you know, that to sensationalize it by dad prohibits them. What do you do? Put a gun to the head and said, you can't touch this stuff or, you know, I mean, it's, it's again, bans his children from taking antibiotics and painkillers. Again, it's, I think it's a sensationalized um, fake news type of thing. Well, and one of the statements is he is, in fact, he is so against unnatural substances. You can hear the smarminess in the statement from the newspaper. He has even never even allowed the trio to take pop his children popular children's remedies like Calpol. I don't know what that paracetamol based medicine. I, I don't know what that is. Yeah, I don't know. It's a British uh, term for that. But I mean, you know, is this like a Tylenol, acetaminophen? I mean, that's where I'm thinking this is. It's like, you know, my gosh, how dare you not give your children liver toxic medicines? Well, Robert, we can take this to an extreme. I mean, if you want to say banning things, I'll tell you what I've banned in my house. And my kids, like Ron's never drank a Coca-Cola in his life. I banned that. That's practically child Um, abuse. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yeah, and and we don't buy it. But even when he's on a flight, Mm -hmm. um, and they come up and they ask, you know, I was, I'll order a club soda, right? Just carbonated water with a lime. Right. What does he order? Water or apple juice. That's it. He's never asked for a soda, ever. Nope. We haven't done it. I think a sprite once thought it was just way too sweet, and that was it. You know. So if if you want to call that banning, I guess that's banning. But you know that. I guess I would be even a worse far than this guy because I banned Coca-Cola. Right, I know. Perspective is in order, folks, because, my gosh, you know, the thing is a, a parent that cares so much that they're not going to allow their children to eat toxic foods or foods with additives. Preserve- I mean, of course, then they try to make it a psychiatric disorder and put you on drugs. We've already talked about the failure of those drugs, and the fact is if you give your kids adequate fats, they're probably going to be so satiated they're not going to crave the sweets that most kids uh, crave. You're absolutely right because sugar is – probably the worst things you can give your children. There's so many things that we and society think are okay to give our children and they are detrimental. I think that sometime in the future, some of these things may very well be banned. You know, we look at man's law and, mm-hmm. and God's law and we see these changes where look at the, look at marijuana, right? The CBD mm-hmm. oils, where they were or alcohol drink prohibition. So many people died and then they can make alcohol legal. Now, almost already Uruguay and Canada have legalized marijuana and the United States could be the third country to federally legalize it but 10 years ago it was the worst thing possible yeah. and they demonized it and and i was 
part of that process that I thought it was a, it was such a bad thing too. I'll never smoke it, but I, I prescribe it for patients for yeah, pain and for great for benefit and all that kind of stuff. So, Listen, yeah, we're up absolutely. we're up against another break. We got to take a break till next week. Advanced medicine each and every week here. Uh, links are up in the show notes for archives as well at robertscottbell.com, iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, SoundCloud, U- YouTube's uh, UK Health Radio, and of course advancedmedicine.com. Doctor Batard, tell them what they need to know because we got to go. That the power to heal is unequivocally yours. The Robert Scott Bell Show. Robert Scott Bell Show.